0: This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and you can go to SohoTheatre.com and enter the discount code FAFF, that's F-A-double-F, to get 25% off your tickets to see Dave Gorman on the Comedians Comedian podcast live at Soho on Monday the 7th of March. You can do the same if you'd like to come and see Romish Ranganathan, uh, interviewed by myself also, at Soho Theatre on the 4th of April. Uh, Get your homework done now, watch all their stuff that's available online and come and see those guys. Enter FAF to get 25% off your tickets. Now, though, in an episode recorded live on Bob's Blunderbuss as part of Dave's Leicester Comedy Festival just recently, this is Spencer Jones. Thank you to everyone who came along to this recording, especially Raffle Monk, who very kindly held my pint. Spencer Jones is a prop comic clown idiot dickhead guy who, uh, who took Edinburgh by storm uh, this year, just gone uh, with his show Proper Job. So check him out if you can see any bits of Bob's online. But, of course, do try and see him live. Here is Spencer Jones. I mostly, I mostly had to restart that because I realised I was talking and hadn't let my guest get a word in edgeways. This is Spencer. Thank you for coming on the show, man. Thank you for having me. Aye. Very nice to be here. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's, let's start with there is loads and loads to talk about because you are someone who I only became aware of this year. Mm. Although, no, and well, I thought I'd only become a view, aware of you this year and then someone mentioned to me earlier on that uh, you were in Big Babies and that you created Big Babies and wrote it and were in it and yeah. I suddenly went that's where i know his face from he's a big baby in a pram
1: that's why you were being friendly that's why you yeah, were like that's yeah.
0: it. So, so when i met you i was like all oh, right i know this yeah. guy and you know. nobody ever came i've never
1: had anyone come up to me at all after making that show really no, no, no cause my because obviously my head was on a baby's body so D- during so, the show, yeah, during the show, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: so, so no one ever did. No one ever, met, no one ever sort of noticed me or anything like that. So, yeah, so, no th-
0: so give us a bit of a <clears throat> timeline before we talk about the <coughs> clowning stuff that I'm really excited about about talking about. Yeah. <laughs> that made it sound like let's talk about the boring stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's give us a bit of a timeline of how you got to to do big babies. Were you performing live before um, you did
1: that? Bits and pieces. I was doing a little bit of stand up, really crap stand up. Um, and actually, you know, like talking about relationships and stuff, you know, trad, trad, yeah, trad, trad yeah. alternative, yeah, 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 get off the bus and all that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, uh, and I've been, uh, my girlfriend had finished with me, and I was heartbroken, and my mate John Rees, who is a director for commercials, said, "Can you cry on cue?" And I said, <laughs> "Absolutely, mate." <laughs>
0: at the time I'm your guy
1: I literally am crying all the time no problem what do you need and so we made this little short video of me crying in places where you'd normally be happy like so feeding the ducks just bawling my eyes out <laughs> uh, eating a massive lolly bawling my eyes out and so we like, like a montage of just this, this guy and anyway on the day I couldn't actually cry <laughs> So I end up just pulling a really horrible face, you know, like that really ugly face you do in the mirror when you when you're really really upset, ah, you know. And um and we did that and we we made that and people kind of liked it and I liked messing around and doing stuff with John, and uh, and so we made a few other bits and pieces like on online really awful. You should search them out. There you know we made some we made some bad stuff, but.
0: And were you making it for a particular client no, of his, or he was no, just making stuff?
1: No, we were just making stuff. He was, like, he was, a, he was a music video director and, uh, and commercials director. He just uh, split up as a partner. At part, he was in a partnership. And we, we just sort of decided to make stuff together, because you can, because everyone can get hold of a camera and you know, edit it together. And so we just saw that as a nice way of doing stuff to get some, you know, get some stuff out there. Okay. And uh, we made a couple of bits. And then, for a laugh, we did a little 40-second clip of two babies. We filmed two babies just on a, on a sofa. Then we got a big Sabutio tablecloth and we green-screened very roughly our heads onto them. <laughs> and it was just a 40-second clip of us um, slagging off children's programmes. <laughs> and we slagged off a couple of kids' programmes that were on BBC and someone at the BBC played them in the BBC.
0: Okay.
1: And uh, and then the BBC phoned and said, all right, and, uh, do you want to come in for a meeting?
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, okay.
1: yeah. And so we kind of made some little bits and pieces with them. And then someone said, do you want to make some, uh, do you want to make some uh, like four or five shorts? We costed it up. We said, it's going to cost this much, quite, you know, time consuming. And they said, oh, with that much money, you, you might as well make a pilot. So we said, said, okay. And they said, well, we'll get someone else to write it. And we went, no, no, we'll write it. And we we'd done nothing really, to be honest. But you know, that kind of bit in Rocky where, he gets, he gets a chance and you just go That's, this is our Rocky moment this is our one off chance so we just busted our balls every day like wake up really early and working, working, working got this pilot did it and then it got commissioned I think um, the lady who, was, who commissioned it it was her sort of leaving she was leaving the BBC and she had a bit of money <laughs> She
0: she gave it to us. anyone listening at home, it is really as easy as that. You you need to piss about with a mate, slang off the BBC and then find a commissioner who's about to leave. Um,
1: And yeah, so we we, kind of made it. We made it, put some mates in it and stuff and uh, yeah, just worked hard and... It, was a, it, was, it felt, felt like a fluke, but I suppose you kind of put yourself out there in whatever job you do, and you kind of, things start to happen. And, and who
0: were you at the time before you were doing this? What were you working as? Had you done any kind of performing before?
1: Yeah, I've always kind of, I've kind of done all, like lots of all, all sorts of stuff. Like, I've been like, um, what have I done? I kind of fannied around. You know, you get lost in life. You're kind of like, what am I doing? And I was kind of, I'd worked in production as a runner, and I'd worked my way up into a producer,
0: but I was never really happy. Uh, hang on, this is a ringer here. Oh! I'm oh, sorry, you were a TV producer before you started No, no no, I, no, 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 I was... Um, no, you know you're fanny around producing telly. You know? No, know. No no, 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 do you know what I used to do? I used to
1: make, um, I used to make, I was a producer of music-based... Com- Commercials, so out and out HMV, you know that kind of stuff, okay. you know. So you get like a uh, you get the call from someone. They say we want to put Nirvana's, you know, greatest hits, and so you get a voiceover and blah 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 and graphics and that kind of thing. And that's how I, I was doing that, and that's how I met John. So okay. that was all before that. But previous to that, I've worked in a foam factory. Actually, cutting up foam got sacked. Okay,
2: um,
1: for why? Um, just I don't think I was quick enough. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't a quick enough cutter of foam. Um, and um, I'd always wanted it. There's always this thing, like at school, I was acting was the thing. You know, in, in school, you'd watch kind of like Harry Enfield and stuff and you'd do, the, do it in the playground afterwards and, you know, the following day. And uh, when I was 30, I'd went, I've got to give this acting thing a go because I'd worked in bars, I'd done all sorts. And I'd the reason I went and got a job as a runner and ended up being a producer was I just wanted to be an actor. <laughs> okay. And I kept trying to get in, you know, because I didn't go to drama school. Um, and so I... Yeah, I, I kind of worked it in that way, and so at so thirty, I went. No, let's give this a proper go. Started making stuff with John, little vids here and there, and then the the, the lucky break came with big babies, and then okay. I thought I've cracked it, and I, <laughs> and I hadn't. They didn't.
2: <laughs> they didn't recommission
1: it. Um, and Bafta nominated um, that. Bafta nominated. Must have been a weak year. <laughs>
2: um,
1: and uh, and um, yeah, and and so you know, I kind of started again really you know started sort of you know, messing around with stuff and did a sketch troupe uh, Bro- Broken Biscuit started with, with me and John we had uh, a few mates one mate that I met at a festival he was a very funny guy and another bloke I met at a, um, a party who did some funny things with a, an ironing board and had everyone in the room laughing I went he's my guy <laughs> He put him I'm, in the show.
0: I'm Keep putting it. a team together. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 was exactly. It was like, yeah, who, who can we get who's the least, least suitable for this job? He's my guy.
0: Okay. Um, so, and what did Broken Biscuits do? Were you doing live stuff or just TV
1: stuff? Broken Biscuits is the name me and John gave ourselves. Mm-hmm. Then live, we got Broken Biscuits. We got a few more people in and started doing bits and pieces live, sort of sketches and stuff.
0: And like on the circuit in London? Whereabouts? Yeah. What a sort little, of venues? Sort well, of small
1: here? places like um, Rooms Above Pubs. Um, and we did a few little bits and pieces like for Knock uh, Two Bag. Uh, we did a BBC Comedy Presents, a chap there. Saw us and got us up and that was a real lucky kind of, you know, we did like a little show there. Um, but, you know, not really anything. We, we, we sort of, you know, fannied around and stuff um, and we didn't, um, we did, it didn't work. It didn't work in the end. You know, we, we're all still mates and stuff, but it, it didn't work out. And then you kind of go, right, I'm going to do character stuff now.
0: Okay, having that, so that's the kind of the root of um, I feel like I've I've heard I can't name anyone off the top of my head, but I feel like that is a, a fairly well trodden path of yeah. like we'll do a thing together. Oh, it's not really working. Yeah, Maybe yeah. I'll just keep trying. Yeah, Did, um, what happened to the other broken biscuits people? Did they? Splinter and do stuff, or well, was it you that had the the, the mission to? to
1: um, well, no, because there was Matt Steer. He he's a proper actor, and he's acting and doing all sorts of good stuff. I think he just did. He did. He just did Hamlet with Benedict
0: Cumberbatch. Okay. At the National. Oh, so you're the loser from the group? Yeah.
1: Right? <laughs> I think I am. <laughs> another one was Martin Collins, another great actor and comedian who now does This Glorious Monster. Okay. Um and my mate Dan Kerwin who was the gonch uh who's doing stuff. Um but yeah everyone kind of went off and did their own thing.
0: Okay. Yeah. So 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 let's talk then about the beginnings of doing your own thing because right. your show at edinburgh this year the herbert in proper job that's the, the correct title is spencer jones is the herbert in spencer jones
1: presents the herbert in proper in job In Proper Job, okay that's what happens when a guy can't work out whether he should, should call himself spencer jones or the herbert yeah we were talking about this
0: earlier on that must be difficult because you yeah because yeah, you want to be uh you want to be uniquely Googleable. you want to have a, yeah. a, a brand yeah an identity.
1: yeah yeah and bob um, bob slayer said you've got to have your name in it Got to have your name in it, it's okay. Yeah.
0: Well, it's like me and posters, got to have your face. Yeah, yeah. Got a lovely picture of myself, my face isn't in it. Yeah. Got to have your face in it. <laughs> so you've, uh, you've got to pay attention to marketing wizards along the way, I think. The yeah, the show that you did at Edinburgh this year was your second show as the Herbert. Yeah, it was. Because I when I saw the show in the, in the hive, Heroes of Fringe, um, I have never, I don't think, in 20-something years of seeing shows, I don't think I've ever seen anyone get as many laughs... By just walking on stage and smiling at us. <laughs> like I felt, and there was such a feeling in the room. I don't know if this is something that happened night after night from the reviews and the, the sort of the momentum that you've gathered since then. Maybe it is. But you walked on, and the buzz in the room from everyone went, Oh, this is gonna be brilliant. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. So, wh- how long has it taken you and what work have you done to get to that point? Let's talk about the, the beginnings of the Herbert. Well, I I did a clown course. Golier.
1: No, I did, this is the thing. Everyone says I did I did five days with Gollier. Okay. He came to Manchester. I'm reading this and from I, your press release. You yeah, no, Gullier. well, the best, basically, the press release was to get people in. <laughs> <laughs> right? And then, oh, he's done Gollier. No, no, okay. I'm not one of those guys who did three or four months or anything okay. like that. I did a course with Dr. Brown. I don't yes. know why I did it. I just turned up and I did it. And I was absolutely awful, absolutely dreadful. Um, But what I kind of got out of it on the first week was... You know, like when you go to a gig, say you're a comedian, you go to a gig, there's five other acts on, say, you might see those five acts walk on. Say, if you're the comp, you might see all of them walk on. You might see them walk on. And when someone, you first see someone, you make up a little, there's a thing that clicks off in your mind. And if they're a stand up comedian, their first um, joke is a big moment. Get the joke right. Oh, we're in safe hands. Off we go. But in the workshops, one thing I noticed was if you've got 30 people in a workshop, they might go on stage within the workshop five times. Now, the maths on that is 150 entrances you might see in a day. So John gets up, walks on stage. Oh, John looks like he knows what he's doing. You know, then Catherine gets up. Oh, she looks a little bit meek, you know. And so you I love the idea of the magic is in the audience's head for me when you walk on stage. So you've got to work out what it is about you that people see and... And, and play with it, you know. So someone will walk on stage and they look like, oh, he looks like he used to be a dancer. Like, if you could do it now, you can see people. Try it when you leave. When you're walking along the street, pick someone walking towards you and you'll see there's an air about them as they walk past. If you're with two of you, you what you can do is look at each other afterwards and do the face they do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and everyone's got something about them, haven't they? Everyone's got something. So 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 what I learned on that was, is you've got to have the sparkle in your eye. Gollier, the, one of the few things was you've got to have this little spark in your eye, which is, I really want to be here. This is, I want to be on stage. You could be a real miserable comic, but you've got to be like, but I'm glad I'm here. You know, I I could be a real happy comic. I'm glad I'm here. You know, I'm not sure about myself, a bit shy, but I'm really glad I'm here. Okay. And so those entrances, for me, that moment is, as an audience member, you've paid your money, you work a job, you come, you go, right, let's um, sit down and have a nice time. And you've got to sort of play up to that. And Goliath, I learned on that week was, people like me when I smile. So make sure you're always smiling. Yeah.
0: Well, this was going to be my next question. Was you, I mean, you have an enormous twinkle. You're twinkling now. You're, you know what I mean? You're, I think you'll agree. There's a lot of twinkle going on here. So is the twinkle something you discovered or something you realised you have to keep doing? Uh, do you, like, before you go on, if you're in a shit mood and you've got to do a gig, are you thinking, well, i better get my twinkle back, or are you just actually, is it an honest reflection of how much you're enjoying being there? Is you... You're,
1: I am I'm genuinely happy to be there. Like um, if, if, before I go on stage, if you've got to turn it on, you've got how do I explain it? I've never I'm never in a bad mood when I get on. I mean I'm vomiting. Like massive <laughs> nerves. Yeah, vomiting through nerves. And I right, i am not, not telling I've not this. It's a bit weird, but I've started talking to my dad before I go on stage my dad's not with us anymore and I'm not a spiritual person in any way I don't think he can hear me or anything like that but for some reason he's become this kind of voice of reason before I go on so I'm vomiting and then I imagine he's there and I go and I say you're right dad he goes yep <laughs> <laughs> and I go and then I go any advice he goes and usually he just says just be nice okay. just be nice he used to say that when he was live he used to say I'm good I'm going to do this thing so just be nice just be nice just be nice my dad was a, a an undercover copper. One of the <laughs> uh, seriously one of the best undercover coppers in the country.
0: No. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing. Like did some seriously crazy stuff, and uh, he was a bit of a geezer. Okay. And he go just be nice. So it's not like. <laughs> it's, so that's what I say. Was your dad it? Patrick Swayze <laughs> in <Rome> House. <laughs> <sighs> uh, so yeah. So I kind of before I go on, I go kind of, like, okay, be nice. I mean, I'm chuffed. Like people have come to see see me, and. um I think part of the reason I vomit is I try and make myself... The, the audience is the most important thing. They're the most important thing in the room. If I think at any point I'm better than the audience or even equal to the audience,
0: then the the fun's over. That That's a really interesting sentiment. Is that something you've discovered or is that Goliath or Dr. Brown talking? Uh, What's
1: the... It's about being sensitive, yeah. like he, That was from those little workshops. Mm. What I do on stage is very simple. The rules behind what I do is... Uh, the audience are most important. Always check in with them. You're the most important guys. Are you okay? And I'm looking in your eyes now. I'm just checking that everyone's okay. Is me doing... You, yeah, everyone's okay. Yeah, yeah, you're all right. They're all right. Everyone's okay. Okay, you're happy... And then you're happy for me to go and do this. I'm now grabbing something. I'm yeah, sure I know I'm showing it to you. I've just, I just held up my hand for the, for the listeners. But, but I like that. Oh! Right. And, then, and, then you, and then I've wiggled it. And you go, oh, they like that. Are they? And, and then as soon... Oh, they don't like that anymore. I'll take that away. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of, it's just about let, let them let you let them let you know, and that's basic, kind of very basic. Smile, and let them be your guide, kind of thing.
0: And when you say that Golier was really difficult, with those five days were—did you find them difficult? Um, the or, days, sorry, the Doctor Brown. Doctor Dr. Brown was,
1: was yeah, really difficult, awful the whole week, absolutely awful. Because it's
0: just it's just people dying, 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 yeah, dying constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I did a, a like a couple of saturdays or a couple of weekends with um with uh, dr brown i've done loads of clown training before in my other life right and was always dreadful at it was Mm. i just didn't i just couldn't own it and i realized later that i think my problem was i couldn't take responsibility for it being shit i was just i felt personally bad that it was dying yeah i mean i was too in the shit yeah to be able to to have the optimism back in me to go hey yeah Yeah. I, i could i had such a difficulty finding it When it was hard doing the Dr. Brown course, did you have like a breakthrough moment where it came together? Uh,
1: Yeah, the the breakthrough moment was one was seeing different people come out and work out what it was about them. There was one guy called Adam who just, they called him Teflon Man because when he came out, he just looked like he was solid. (laughs) Just a nice guy, but he looked solid. So that was a moment working out those things. But the moment for me was on the last day basically did this game where you look at the audience and you start to like oh it's like they might like me bending my legs so i'll slowly bend my legs oh i'm gonna they like bending my legs so i'm gonna keep bending my legs and then i ended up on the ground dragging myself along by my ass going
2: ah! <laughs>
1: <laughs> and people laugh more at that than they've laughed at anything i've ever written
2: yeah. <laughs> so
1: i kind of went oh, i think this is this is it
0: this is. If I can try and do this, then this is the thing I want to do. And what was the what was the the journey then from that moment to working with props? Uh, so, Oh, sorry, if I've jumped ahead, go on. Just to take, yeah, well, I
1: So I started, So I thought. Well, I'm going to invent a character called. The, I was going to be called the Dickhead. <laughs> but a lot of my northern mates said dickhead's pretty strong actually they said dickhead if he's a dickhead it's like Ooh. it's a bit mean it's a bit mean but yeah. to me a dickhead he's a right dickhead sure yeah so I thought we'll go with something else and I thought the Herbert so the first gig I went on as myself and said I've got a guy I want you to meet uh, I'm going to go and get him and I said just play the track and someone played a song and I walked off and quickly put on my you know some crap clothes and came out and did the Herbert and I died on my ass. like people were like what is this <laughs> it's just you again being a prick <laughs> like, you, you should call it the dickhead yeah, right? yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. and so I kind of went home and I was like okay I know it kind of works I'm sure it will work so what was wrong with it well, so I thought well they saw me before so I, so I got rid of I got rid of Spencer
0: <laughs> and okay. I just
1: went on the next gig. I went on to the Herbert and then it worked it kind of worked a little bit you know and I did it yes. like four minutes so I thought well let's book some gigs so I booked a load of gigs, you know, phoned up, email, Facebook. And then the gigs come up, and you're like, oh, shit, I've got a gig. What am I going to do at the gig? <laughs> and so I'd take a few bits with me, props. You know, i go, well, that's kind of funny. I think, what was one of the first things I did? I'd get a glass, a pint glass, <laughs> and, and that was it. I'd get a microphone, and I'd go, this is ridiculous. <laughs> so you go... Singing quietly, singing loudly. <laughs> and so it's like the idea of you know, what they do on X-Factor. When they, when they do a big note, they pull that microphone away from their face. <laughs> so I did stuff like that, and there was a thing with the towel where, you know, where you get the spoon, ooh, you know, you know that thing? And so I did stuff like that. And so just slowly built on that then, you know, if that answers the question.
0: Yeah, I think so. I, I'm wondering just that moment of you coming out when you came out and announced... The Herbert as yourself, mm. whether that—I I suppose my guess is that that didn't work because they can't then believe in the silliness of the Herbert yeah. because they've seen the real you. Exactly,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. They've seen the real you, so they needed to—they needed me to come out and and because yeah, but be that guy. Okay. So then it was about thinking, going back to that thing I was saying about the first image. So I had some white tights lying around. <laughs>
0: Um, and some spare foam from the, from the foam cutting day. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the jacket was from a job. the um, The budgie top was from getting drunk on the internet and buying it. Because <laughs> we had a, we've got, I've got. I did have two budgies. I've got. I've got a budgie. The tights were from a Red Bastard workshop that I didn't get up in time to go to. Okay. So I had those. So like I thought, a, well, I've got kind a, of
0: bouffon clown. Yeah. The red Bastard is like so scary yeah, dark. Clown, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah what I'd love to have done. And one of the things that bring. White clothing with white tights, and I think they were going to stuff some in, stuff Sticky inside them. Yeah. So I had those, and then they had these crazy, crazy shoes, and uh, and I wanted people to laugh at me instantly. So I had the tights, you know, you can see my winkle. Uh, that's always going to get a laugh, you know. <laughs> you've got the
0: twinkle, you've got, you've got the, the winkle. winkle. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh, and I just kind of, you look at yourself in the mirror before you go on. You go, okay, you can see my dick a bit. shoulders and then I just I rolled up an evening standard that was lying backstage and put it in my shoulders and and then I thought well that looks funny that's kind of stupid comb my hair down because you know that's that's another funny thing Yeah, and then just walked on stage with the you know desperately thinking please fucking (laughs) please laugh at this
0: so this is Spencer, and he is another another one of those fabulous comedians who just fills me with uh, warmth and joy. And in, I don't just mean his act, he's an incredibly lovely man, as you can hear, and uh, very humble. Like like a lot of people I find, I often say to people after the podcast, when when I've interviewed them, they panic. And my guest says to me afterwards, oh God, did I sound like a complete asshole?" And I always say, hey... All the classiest people ask that and uh, Spencer really thought he sounded like an asshole. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you can uh, you'll agree with me that he doesn't at all and there's more great stuff to come from him so we'll launch straight back in in just a moment a couple of notices. Now listen, I'll uh, I'll talk to you more in the ramble at the end, but um I just wanted to say if you did listen to the ramble from uh, last week or the week before's uh, episode then you will have heard me talk about the fact that we are calling my baby my new boy child Boutros as code well it's kind of a fun pet name around the house but kind of code for I'm not going to tell you what my boy's name is <laughs> on the uh, on the podcast just to try and afford him a little bit of privacy some days later the the second most famous Boutros in the world of course former UN secretary general Boutros Boutros garley kicks the bucket Our thoughts are with his family at this difficult time. Um, I I couldn't believe it. I mean, how many Boutrosses, how many times do you hear the word Boutros? Probably by the end of this show, far more than you you have recently. So anyway, uh, uh, I just wanted people to know that this was by no means uh, uh, an insult to Mr. Gali. Mr. Boutros Gali, the surname is very difficult to work out. Um, and uh, by no means did we mean to make light of a celebrity death that hadn't happened yet. So that's purely coincidental. Um, I also wanted to say hello to Billy Patterson in Dallas, Texas, and his warehouse full of chumps that uh, that I may possibly be listening today. this. I've got a lovely email from, uh, from Texas. Great to hear from Americans. So uh, thanks for listening, and work harder in your warehouse. God knows what you do. On the basis of all the TV based in America that I've seen, you probably make meth. Um, no podmin on this episode, no log, because I did it myself. Yeah, I sometimes get things done thank you to everyone, as I said, that came along at Leicester. Uh, and thank you. Some people gave me donations there, which were very kind of you. Uh, and also, uh, a listener called Duncan emailed me recently and uh, gave me a very uh, pleasant donation. Very grateful to him. Um, but he suggested, do you remember on a previous episode, I said something about uh, giving me a donation that would be like a means of working out uh, what would be appropriate for you, you personally, to donate to the show if you're enjoying it and you'd like to support it. Uh, and I suggested a box Bottle of wine. That was the suggestion of my long term uh, comedy uh, confidant, uh, Pete Dobbing. He suggested. The, uh, the, why not pay what you'd spend on a bottle of wine, that way, you know uh, a, a rich person who might want to donate a lot to the show might give me 20 or 30 quid, and an impoverished student might give me a pound, such as they could purchase a bottle of what my friend Ollie used to call Jack the Bastard's Crazy White Lightning Juice um, so by all means do that, however Duncan said, and this, his donation was in line with this, so thanks Duncan, he said I've given you what I'd spend on a friend's new baby, which is really sweet, very timely, and uh, and much appreciated. Much appreciated. So um, thank you, Duncan. And to everyone else that's donated for the show. Uh, a little quick thing I wanted to say about Lester is hi to Alfie, who couldn't make my preview. Um, I'll talk a bit more about the preview in the, the ramble at the end. But thank you to Alfie. Your dad came along, and I know you couldn't come to that preview because there was an age limit, I think, which I, I don't know if I intended to put, so many apologies. Uh, this show where the preview once probably it's sensible to have an age limit on a preview because I don't know what I'm going to say. But I believe Alfie has come along to the tour show in Leicester at the Cookie uh, sometime in April. So uh, it would be lovely to see you then stick around and say hi. And remember, if you're coming to see any of the tour shows, uh, do remember that you can stick around for five or ten minutes afterwards and we'll have a little off the record com com Q&A for as long as it takes before we get kicked out of the theatre. Uh, if you fancy coming along to one of the tour shows and you live in Birmingham, near the Glee Club, for example, Just the Tonic in Nottingham, Outside the Box in Kingston, the Old Fire Station Windsor, the Hawth Theatre Crawley, Excess Malarkey Manchester, the Wardrobe in Bristol, Joker Comedy Club in Southend, the Gulbenkian in Canterbury, West End Centre in Aldershot, the Old Town Hall in Hemel, the Stables in Milton Keynes, the Ring of Bells in Bath, the Bicycle Shop in Norwich, the Cookie Jar in Leicester, the Royal and Durgate Northampton, the Arena Theatre Wolverhampton, Soho Theatre in London, Laughing Coyote at Sutton Theatres, or indeed the secret Welsh festival about which we are not allowed to talk, then please come along. I would love to see you at the at the show. And uh, what I what I hope for is at least a 50-50 ratio of you guys from the podcast who know me and know what's going on in my life and strangers that we wish to convert. So uh, <laughs> your support is very much appreciated. Uh, and thanks for those of you who've been getting in touch to tell me you're coming to the show. It's enormously encouraging. Now, I'll be back after the conclusion of the podcast to waffle at you at length. But for now, thanks for listening. Uh, Thanks for donating to the show, sharing it to people, putting nice reviews on uh, on iTunes and all over the shop. Uh, You can tweet me at comcompod or email me info at comedianscomedian.com if you'd like to get in touch. And I'd I'd like you all to be aware that I am now even less good at getting back to you now that I have a tiny boy child. This is the remains of Spencer Jones. so given that you're and i know it's your second hour i didn't see the first one yeah but the like i assume the first one was similar in that it was a collection of tiny little gags and silly ideas and i suppose what what i'm what i'm asking is is the show, when you do an hour, is that a collage of all of the dicking about that you've been doing?
1: Yeah, I reckon the first show had bits of all previous stuff. You know, there was like, uh, I, I, at the at the time, my home life was a building site. I was living on a building site. So I had lots of like builder stuff around. I didn't have any money, so I nicked bits and pieces that were lying around the house and took that up, in, up to the show in, Edim- in Edinburgh. And I had an idea for a story for that. And I learned a lot on that. And then the second <laughs> yeah, oh, it was awful, that first day. Okay. Um,
0: the first day of doing the hour first in The first day of doing
1: the hour in Edinburgh was one of the worst things that's ever happened to me, yeah. Because... Because well, on the train we're all dreamers. Like comedians are dreamers. They're like, okay, this is going to be amazing. (laughs) I'm going to be a star. (laughs) And you kind of like you go, this is going to be amazing. It's going to be this is good. I've got to start, the middle, and end. It's going to be great. And then you you get to the venue, Bob's lovely venue at the Hive, the big room, three thirty in the afternoon. How many chairs do you want to put out? Put them all out, mate. (laughs) Put them all out. I've done Goliath, mate.
2: (laughs) <laughs>
1: put it all out yeah 80 chairs 3 people yeah. 6 rows back <laughs> 2 Spanish people didn't understand a word of it and this kind of 60 year old Scottish rambler still all in his sort of you know with his rucksack on and you know like you walk on stage you're like well I've got a game plan and I've got to stick to it and it was just awful like I remember sitting down afterwards it was just awful then 6 rows back you know and what the hell am I doing? And then I sat down on the pavement afterwards. My mate Polly had a fag, and and then the next day I said, okay, let's have them sitting on the front row. And then the next day there were seven people, and I counted them just to make a, make a point of being like, I, I know there's seven of you in this massive room. So okay. I went one, two, three, and counted them out. And that was a moment, a little thing, you know. And then at the end of that Edinburgh, after it being tough and stuff, you kind of become a bit harder and stuff. And that was more of a story than this year was. Okay, gig, gig the out of it, mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm, well, I've sworn already now. That's just, it, you,
0: can,
1: just, you can swear on the podcast. Um, gig, 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 you know, go do as many gigs as you can. Gig, 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 gig. Try out these little, these little pieces, these little sort of like uh, pieces of the puzzle and get them good and then try and find a show out of it.
0: Yes. Because so there, was, there, was, there was almost like a, a, an emotional or sort of narrative plot yeah. Uh, holding them together, holding proper job together, which is yeah. about your son being having the head of a fox. Yeah. And being radioactive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, All based on truth.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, actually, that, may, that reminds me of another uh, question, which is that you incorporate your home life and your children yeah. into elements of your work. And I'm thinking of not just the, the album that you would like a CD, which yeah. I actually really enjoy.
1: It's yeah, I love it. A bit repetitive, though, isn't it?
0: Yeah, here and there. I mean, yeah, I would say there's three or four, three. Standout tracks, yeah, you know, okay. and, then, and, then, and I remember buying it off you after the gig, and sort of expanding your uh, the income from the show, yeah. flogging these kind of things that you'd folded into bits of paper, yeah. like really charmingly crap, yeah, much like yeah, yeah. the oeuvre. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and you know in the, in the best way, Jimin, mean, that's that's the aesthetic rolled up evening standard that kind yeah, of business. Yeah. And uh, I remember when you sold it to me, you were like. It's a load of bollocks. And, anyway, and I took it home. You were absolutely right. But really good. You know?
2: um,
0: but so they you're using samples and loops of uh, of your children in some of them. And I noticed one of your um it's not quite like a proper promo photo, but it's like on Facebook for a preview you were doing. It's a picture of you on a swing at the park pulling a stupid face. Oh, yeah. It's a little kid in the background. Yeah. And it did, as a recent new father, it did make me go, oh yeah, this because they're there, aren't they? Yeah. They're there. And you've you've managed like what a lot of comedians can do is kind of go. Right now, Daddy's in the office or Mummy's in the office. I'm working, yeah. and maybe I'm writing jokes about the kids. Yeah. But I found it really charming that you were sort of there. We've. I feel like we get a lot of you. A lot of quite apart from the Herbert. Yeah. we get a lot of you. We can. We can. We enjoy. I enjoy seeing through it and going. Oh, this must be what he's like as a person. This must be what his life is like. What his home life is.
1: like. Yeah, it's a it's a funny one because I think one of the reasons I wasn't a very good stand up is I'm quite private. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be let people know about what's going on up here in that way. But then doing all this, I ended up probably showing much more than I ever would have as a stand-up. You know, having the kid and and all those kind of worries and stuff, and having Litlan in in the house, it's hilarious because he's like a comedian but without any rules. It's like he's the best new comedian ever. You know. <laughs> uh, so like, uh, there's a bit. You know, the bit I've got this bit where I um. I'm in a nuclear power plant. And I've got this yellow box that makes the noise, right? It's called a chaos a chaos oscillator 2, or something like that. And I, I did three or four hours on this thing, trying to get something funny out of it. And all I got was just this dirge sort of house music. <laughs> and I was furious. I'll have a cup of tea. And then in walks Sonny, you know, massive head, little arms. <laughs> you know, like kids are all out of proportion. And he walks in, he just picks it up, puts it up to his head and goes, Hello? <laughs> And, and, his, and his cheek touched the pad and the pad went warm. It was like, and I went, of course, of course. And that was it. Totally. That was him. He got that. That was his, his yes. thing. And so then, like, of course, it can be something else. It doesn't have to
0: make yes. music. That's beautiful. That kind of the link between a sort of a child, like I remember from other from clown courses, like you try and approach this yourself and the world and your body as if it's new, yeah, as if you're a baby again, yeah. as if you're a child sort of exploring yeah. and discovering things.
1: It's beautiful. He, he's got a great head. He's got a great head. The the grown tube bit is him as well. Had two of them. Oh yeah. <laughs> and he's and he's dr- he's drumming with them.
0: Yeah. So, grown tubes, just for people that oh, yeah. can't see the mind, those like tubes.
1: A, yeah, a plastic tube with a little, what, what would be like a sh- wazzle inside. Yeah. So, it's like a reed which moves up and down and, uh, uh, yeah. when, you t- when you turn it upside down. He's whacking the hell out of these things. One of the ends comes off without me realizing. He puts the inside bit, the bit that moves in his mouth, and he's walking around going, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Can you just go give me that, mate? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's next month's rent. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and so he's, it's brilliant. He's, it's, it's really, yeah, he's the, he's the man. He's the man when it comes to that kind of thing.
0: When you say, um, you mentioned earlier on playing with this chaos oscillator, I'd done two or three hours on it, you said, and couldn't get anywhere. So is that, are we imagining an a kind of a working environment for you where you go, right, I've got to make some stuff and you're picking up a thing and doing a couple of hours on it? Yeah. What does that look like?
1: Well, it used to be before kids, I'd used to used to sort of wander around and mess around stuff and, you know, you'd be unfocused and stuff. <laughs> and um, and then and then I found with the kids, you just don't have the time. They're like, they're always in the way and stuff. And I said to my friend Lucy, who is a clown, she trained at Gollier. Oh, said,
0: she's in, we'll talk about it. Yeah, amazing.
1: Yeah. Um, and she said, well, what you need to do is now, you've got to change the way you work. So grab an hour every day. And what, so what I do is I dance around like a dick for like 20 minutes to whatever music, you know, I like, you know, stupid stuff. And the minute, it's like Rage Machine, which is ridiculous. But get the camera set up. Dance around like a dick for 20 minutes. Get yourself really sort of pumped and stuff and just stupid. Forget about all the... you know, And then press record on the camera. Pick up a prop and do 20 minutes with it in character without breaking. So, for example, one of the rubber gloves, okay? There's only so many things you can do with a rubber glove. And after about three or four... Well, actually, that sounds really weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you kind of mess around with the rubber glove, stay in character, stay in character. And after, like, literally, like, 14 minutes, something weird happens where you start doing stuff you'd never do with it. And then after 20 minutes, you stop, and then you move on to the next prop. So this goes on if you do an hour. I say you do an hour. And then you watch it back. And it's the worst thing to watch. It's, it's like, this is awful. But at about 14 minutes in, you go, ooh, that's, that's something. When you've given up, when you're just a stupid, like, broken twat sat in your bedroom or, well, in my workroom, um, something happens. So that's one way of working. Another, obviously, there's all sorts of different ways. You know, sometimes Sonny comes up with something. But I have a workroom with a huge mirror and... Okay. And shelves of stuff and, yeah.
0: That seems like an incredible... I'm really surprised by how organised a system of working that is.
1: Uh, Yeah, that is one of the ways. Yeah, that's one of the ways to do
0: it. And that's sort of... It's almost like that's the clown equivalent of morning pages or something. Exactly. Where you're just writing and writing. and, And I always find whenever... If I sit down and write for two hours... The first hour is always absolute dross, and I'm on the verge of giving up. And go, what's the what's the point? Why was I? Why did I ever think I could ever write a joke? <laughs> yeah. I'm going home, and then you just you've got to push, 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 and then you oh, hang on, maybe there's a something there, but it never happens until you've pushed through the awful bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, you just you just reset. You just sort of you do all the normal stuff. It's, it's weird. It's weird. It's a weird way of working. It's horrible. But...
0: What's what's Lucy's surname? Hopkins. Hopkins, that's it. I met Lucy in, uh, in Australia. She was doing a brilliant clown show with a, a scarf.
1: Le, 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 foulard? It's le foulard? Le oh, Foulard. Oh, man. I just yeah. wanted
0: to mention that because I, I saw it and I was raving to everyone about it at the time. It's such a, an incredible show. Yeah, she's class. She's yeah. absolute class. And where did you know Lucy from? Was that for uh, the, five days in no, <laughs> um, okay. I, uh
1: At the end of doing the Dr. Brown, everyone said, oh, we're going to see this show. And she was doing a show and a guy called Carlo... Okay. I don't know. His, I forgot his surname. Was doing a show, so she did her show and he did his, and they were like, you know, this was this, when you went there. You're like, this is what you could be like if you're, um, if you if you work hard at this, <laughs> if
0: you can suffer enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, let's talk about suffering in the, in the context of clowning. On, and uh, do you regard the work you do as clowning? Do you call it? I've, I'm, I'm got a clue. Okay,
1: I don't, I just, just trying to make people laugh. I, I. I, I'm, I can do characters, I can yeah. do sort of, I don't know, I don't know what it is I do. I've, I've, I'm a prop comic, by definition, because I take props in. I probably think like a clown. Um, I can do voices. I don't know what I'm doing. All I know is if I don't do it, I'd turn into a real miserable git.
0: The thing they used to say at clown school <laughs> yeah. uh, was, uh, do less, suffer more. And that's like a big, that's a big principle of it. Do, let, don't, be, you know, don't be doing all this stuff. Just suffer. We just want to see you suffer. Yeah. And, and it's really, it's saying that now, it sounds sort of awful and sadistic, but I kind of now I feel like I can understand it. Like in, I was thinking about your, the, the short that I've just seen. You did the Sky Christmas short. You did a little yeah. 10 minute or eight minute short yeah. film. And the premise is brilliant, which is just in your, in your own words, the premise of the show is what?
1: Um, Guy... Ten minutes before the shop shut on Christmas Eve, gets all the presents nicked from the car and has to come up with a solution in a hardware shop.
0: Okay, fine. So, and that is, I have to say, it's one of the most uh, effective, it's one of the most working translations from a live show to a TV format Mm. of what it is that you do because it's so you. And it's not like you dicking around with props. But it contains so many elements. It's got the musical element in it. There's the drum kit. The girls play the drums. And, you know, you could, your samples are coming into it. Mm. There's very little dialogue in it, really. There's much more of it is about the spaces in between the words. And it's about your face. And it's about you suffering. It's about the the moments when your wife in the short goes, you have done that, right? And you just sort of look up like, uh-huh. Yeah. And we can see, we can see that you yeah. haven't done it, yeah. and, and we can see that you know you haven't done it, and you're in trouble, but you're remaining optimistic. Yeah. You've managed to take that clown in a, in a way that I think a lot of comics struggle with, particularly a lot of physical performers, to actually put it on telly and have it still retain the the magical quality of the live show. Yeah,
1: it, I d- yeah, it's it, we got it's difficult, isn't it? Because that was meant to. My idea behind that was I want to look like a safe pair of hands for the telly people. <laughs> Do, do you know what I mean? Like, I wanted, like, okay, we've, done, we've got half a chance here. It's another rocky moment. Yeah. Uh, it's done. It's, everything's gone well in Edinburgh. But I'm going to need... I can't be doing this forever. I need I need to have other forms of income. Because
0: presumably... I mean, is there much of a, a paid circuit for the sort of stuff you do? You're not doing traditional club gigs. You're not going to do a weekend in a commercial club. Uh, I'm or still
1: working out whether I can do it or not. It's difficult because sure you are all the props can. and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I get... It's, it works, About variety for me, I don't know if you're the same, but I kind of like, I get bored. And one of the reasons why I do this job is it's the least boring thing I can think of. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I get really bored and I start being stupid if I'm uh, bored. Um, So i have lost my Fred now. Um, Sky.
0: So being able to make money, circuit gigs. Yeah, I wanted to look like... What's the next thing? A safe pair of hands?
1: Yeah, a safe pair of hands. Yeah, like no one would hire me as an actor. That's why, probably one of the reasons why I started doing comedy. So I thought, well, I've got half a chance now to show I can do a bit of acting. Yeah. Um, but I wanted it to kind of... Just wanted to put a bloke under pressure, and that's what... And a yeah. lot of people don't speak a lot, you know. You know, sit and listen and go, all right, mate, yeah. When yeah. someone else is talking away, especially in London, they don't <laughs> have to talk.
0: <laughs> well, what it, what it gives you, and I don't know if anyone's sort of seen it on Sky or anyone listening to this, I really, really recommend it. I uh, I, I know I'm tired, but I did tear up. Um, I thought it was ah. I thought it was really beautiful. And um one thing that I liked about it was the because of the the your because of your face. I've just I've literally written face and drawn a circle around <laughs> in my notes. Because of your face, you have this kind of and it's it's um it's easy and probably misleading to liken what you do to say Eric Morecambe or Tori, Tommy Cooper or what have you. But the twinkle and the ability to just kind of imply a thing without saying much and just go yeah. Like, yeah. th- that that thing that you're so good at doing when you walk on as the Herbert, and you're like, uh, uh, yeah, you know, whatever that thing is, it has a kind of an archetypal quality. You could be in any place in any time, being the sort of the put upon, you know, the yeah. butt of the joke.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just 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 try and put it for truth. I know that's a real cliche, but we just wanted to put him under pressure. When I walk on stage, I'm under pressure. I just let them know, let people know you're under pressure, but you're really happy with it. <laughs> you, you know? That's it's it. You, it. you know, yeah. I'm, ha- yeah, we just, we, I'm, do you know, to be fair, we had some very, we had very good people around me on that. And, um, it's very good. Editing's great. <laughs> that bit there. Yeah. We used that bit there. You know, there's yeah. lots of takes and stuff. It was a fast shoot, but there's lots Were of Were you takes.
0: in on the edit? Were you editing? Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was all over it. Um, I wanted to be all over it, but I had a brilliant, brilliant team and everything um,
0: I remember talking to Phil Ellis about this when they made Funs and Games on uh, TV. They made it as a TV show. Yeah. And he fought really hard, he was telling me, to be present at the edit, which isn't how they'd normally do it with telly. They're like, you do the thing, we know about telly, we'll come together. And that's always seemed crazy to me, given what the comic knows, what the performer knows about rhythm. That you can so easily kill a joke stone dead by using either the wrong take of it or lingering on the on the face for too long yeah. or not long enough.
1: It's a real, I think it's a real dance actually. When someone's done done well on stage, maybe stand ups and stuff, and then they make the transition. You've really got to redevelop again. You've got, I think you've got to go. Okay, what I do on stage is great. I think I make people laugh. That's good. This is not me saying. This is like one, not me. Like, what I do on stage is great. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to cut everything yeah, and they, just use uh, that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, you, you, you've got your idea. You go to the have got to, You've got to be have some brilliant people you're working with that can say, oh, that will work, that won't work. And it's, it's, you've got to develop it. You've got to keep the dance going backwards and forward. So you'll get notes. So you get ten notes. Six of them, I agree with them. We'll, we'll implement them. Four of them you don't agree with, but how can we change the thing they're talking about so it's better, but we feel, they, we feel like they've, they've had some input. But also the telly people they will know what they're doing. Some of them will, some of them won't. Same as the you know a a comedian. Mm. Um, I think you've just got to. I'm getting lost here. But you just you've just got to keep thinking: Is this decent? Get rid of it if it's not. You know, if it's if it's not, get rid of it. Don't be precious about stuff and keep developing it. Even if you think something's brilliant and someone says that's not great, go okay. Don't go. Oh, it is. Go okay. How can I make it better? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I think you've just got to keep working. You've got to be i I I've got this thing called gefore factor, right? Which is when people are writing comedy and they're so busy going oh, 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 at what they're doing, they're not editing it, you know? They're not kind of going, actually, how can that be better? And I think that's one of the things you need to see. Well this do.
0: this throws up quite an interesting aspect of you as a performer and something I think is very unusual for someone who exists within the world of whatever we gonna want to call it, clown or I mean, who, well, this is a way into this, this part of the conversation. What is your... It's all right. It's a recording. We'll just wait for two seconds. It's totally fine. No, no, no. no. There's no need, no need to try and sneak out. We'll pretend you're not sneaking out. We'll just, we'll just pause till you get back. No, we anyway, um, Who do you consider to be your contemporaries in terms of the weirdness that you're doing? You know, who, who's in your gang? Like, if, if you could say, if, if I could ask, you know, Jimmy Carr, who are the other one liner guys? You yep. know, okay, Milton Joe's going to any people like that. Yep. Who are the other sort of dickheads? <laughs> <laughs> um, in, the, in the southern sense. In the fluffy southern sense of the word. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, in the fluffy southern sense. Who are the dickheads? There's loads. There's like, there's, there's well, the, the, the weirdos crew. I mean, mm. I don't There's like loads of them that like, have had, had, had la head up <laughs> the weirdos crew <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's Adam Larter, Adam Larter, and, uh, and, and Carl Schultz and, and, and Carl and
1: Ali things. Bryce and, and all that lot you know and and, and Let Loose and there's I mean, loads you, could, you know Gareth and they're, they're mental so you go and see them and you know they're great Then there's a night at the uh, there's a night called the Lost Cabaret uh-huh. where like you know it's a small audience but literally you sit there in the audience going oh my god someone's coming on dressed as a mountain <laughs> You know, and and they're and they're, they're the act is them trying to get on stage, and it's like by the time they go, and they're, and, they're, and it's brilliant. You kind of go, this is good stuff, you know. So yeah. I, I don't know contemporaries, yeah, those guys. There's there's loads. It's, uh, it's really difficult because I don't, I don't know how to answer the question.
0: What is it that you're nervous about in answering the question? Why why is it difficult? Uh,
1: it's difficult to mention everyone. Uh... Everyone, there's there's all sorts of people that, it's trying to, it's trying, I suppose it's, what am I? I'm a prop comic. Well, who else uses props? Boy with tape on his face uses props, but he's bigger than me. Uh, Dr. Brown, uh, you know, is a clown, but he's mm. bigger than me. These aren't my contemporaries. I th- It's the people I gig with, the people I've mentioned, you know, okay. doing gigs with... Uh, Harry Deansway, you know, doing you know, those yeah. kind of gigs when you're meeting people, those are, those are my contemporaries. The people that are out there now okay. doing stupid stuff.
0: What I'm getting at, I suppose, and that's interesting to kind of sort of like further reading for listeners, which is great. Um, I suppose what I'm getting at is among the people that do dickheadery or whatever it is, <laughs> clowning, yeah, you yeah, know, pro- yeah, yeah. I don't want to call it props. It's not, it doesn't, that doesn't, yeah. doesn't say what the thing is. But what you do is, is quite rough. Do you know what I mean? Like the yeah. feel of it is rough. You've got stuff you've got in a pound shop, you, yeah. you know, and uh, it's kind of deliberately scrappy and charmingly kind of rough and dickheady and stuff like that. Amongst people who do that sort of thing, mm. you seem to be, from what you've, from, as you've just described it, you seem to be pretty on it in terms of going, right, I've got to make this work. Here's a Rocky moment. Do you know what I mean? It's like you're, there's a confluence in you between cocking about and actually go, seizing the opportunity and going, I want to actually turn this into something professional, yeah. with proper production values. Yeah, And things like that. And I suppose, I, I think I've, I don't know Adam Larson I've, I've actually never seen him, but uh, he has, I've uh, read something that he wrote, which, it, no, I read him in an interview, I think, where he was saying that part of this groundswell of weirdos, yeah. not specifically his group, but that kind yeah. of flavour of stuff, is that it exists in a, a, a kind of a landscape where you can't make money from comedy anymore because the the environment in which those comics started working was so oversaturated with comics that becoming someone who can make fifty grand a year from doing the circuit like the olden days yeah isn 't really possible yeah so i 'm just interested in knowing whether it seemed to me there was a lot of people kind of rejecting doing it professionally and doing it for the fun of it, and you yeah. know dressing as a mountain trying to get on stage, that weirdness that isn 't necessarily commercial yeah, and with you, it seems like you have all of those interests and all of those skills but also there's something commercial underpinning you that you're or not commercial even but there's a professionalism uh, i think i want to be i want to
1: i don't want to be a miserable old man when i'm old and I, the only way that's going to happen is if i if i can look back and go you did th- you, whatever happens you worked really hard you had a great time working really hard and that's all. That, that's all it is to me. That's all. That's all I have is. I want to make good stuff, people to have a nice time. And then when I'm older, regardless of how it goes, whether I'm you know absolutely skin or I've or I've you know earned a couple of quid, I can go. That was okay because that's my biggest drive is not turning into a miserable old man. And that sounds really weird, but that's kind of one of the main things. Is is I've got a thing on. I've got a TV at home, right? and I've got a sticker across the top. <laughs> Easy there, mate. We've all got a TV, uh, mate. I've got, I've got a TV I'm on, on my telly at home. On my telly at home. I've got a sticker. I've got a sticker across the top. It's just a bit of um, masking tape, and I've, done it, uh, I've written on it, is watching this the best use of your time? And I kind of think, you know, I love watching telly. I love I love it, but if i 'm watching it, and then just above it it's this <laughs> thing. Uh, yeah maybe maybe i won't watch this old episode of bullseye tonight <laughs> do you know so my going back to the answer to the question, I think that what you 're seeing the professionalism or the 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 drive and stuff is 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 that it's the fear of the old man
0: and why do do you have any inkling as to why that is such a an important thing did you encounter miserable old men is there anyone you knew became a miserable old man but, no, but, um, where have you got that idea from
1: my my mum often says to me Oh, I wish I'd done this and I wish I'd done that okay and I don't want to I don't want to be thinking like that I don't want to sort of like you know my mum's hilarious and, uh, and she's done loads of stuff but she's loads of stuff that she wishes she had done okay and I think uh, yeah like we only get one go you know So so, so I figured let's have it you know That's my, that's my thought on it is get stuck in whatever it is you're doing, you know, bike riding, (laughs) (laughs) you know, painting, whatever, you know, fighting, just, just do it. (laughs) Just (laughs) do it. Yeah. Yeah. War yourself
0: off. Just do it properly. Yeah. There's a couple of other things I want to ask you about before we wrap up. Um, one of them is when it doesn't work, when in the live shows, I'm talking yeah. about the moments when it doesn't catch, when you can't win them over by twinkling. Yeah, why doesn't it work when it's gone wrong? What is it that's gone wrong? Um,
1: maybe, maybe if you maybe because I've got complacent, uh, I've stopped being sensitive. It's really hard doing this because I've got you here and I'm looking mm-hmm. at you, but then I've got you, and my instinct is to make sure you guys are all right. Um, I ignore them, I ignore yeah. <laughs> 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 um, it's gone wrong. I'm really, I, I hate saying it's when it's the audience's fault, even if it, um, people might was. think it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. It's just, you know, I got complacent, didn't try hard enough. Uh, did it, I didn't do it loud enough. I didn't smile enough. When it goes wrong, that's it, you know. The, you know, sometimes they couldn't hear you, but it might not be my, my fault. It might be the, you know that there's noise next door or something. But when it doesn't go right, it means you're not good enough.
0: And can you always hold on to that? Do you have moments? I mean, what are the the long dark moments of the soul for you, creatively? Do you have moments when you're like, "Oh Christ, what am I doing?" Do you know? Oh
1: my God, I'm just I'm having one right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all the time, all the time. Yeah, it's never, it's
1: never, it never goes away. Before, when you're on stage, when you come off stage, when you look at your son and he goes, "Hi, Dad," you go, "Oh my God, I'm not good enough." Yeah, all the time. Yeah, I think I really. Is this the bit where you just, just realise I'm depressed? <laughs> <laughs> Don't give it away. <laughs> yeah, all the time, all the time. It's a real drive. It's a real. Um, it's probably a bit like um, unhealthy, but yeah, all the time. Um, you know, after this, I'll be like, I could have answered that better. Probably wasn't holding the mic properly. Probably. probably so much. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? All really that. Like, Oh, too far away too far away <laughs> <laughs> he's going to get home and edit this and it's going oh no and then I'll be the guy we had this comedian on called Spencer Jones uh, please hold the mic here <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: yeah that's a, it's yeah. a preamble for yeah. guests to come
0: all the time um, and, w- and how do you get yourself out of those moments how do you cope with it when uh, when it's not worked if you're driving back from a a, a struggler
1: oh how do I get myself out of, the, out
0: of it? it particularly if you are uh, very nobly and very responsibly taking responsibility for the night and not blaming them and going actually it was me yeah. I wasn't sensitive enough yeah oh no. god what am I doing
1: yeah just do it better next time you've got to do it better next time and know. are you
0: able to snap out of it like
1: uh, I find a six year old like in your face at 5.30 in the morning will do that <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean daddy okay yeah I'll forget about that now yeah porridge okay let's have some porridge mate
0: yeah <laughs> yeah
1: let's watch Peter Rabbit
0: I've uh, <laughs> I, I've I'm three and a half weeks in and I've already started to recognise an yeah. element of that. I'm yeah. just going, yeah, I don't care how well that went.
1: I've got other fish to fry. Yeah, yeah. How, have you, how has the poo come up and around? Yeah. <laughs> when do we have this? Who went this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you just move on. <laughs> Try not to think about it. I am quite. I think I'm quite good at... Car, is it carp... Car, paying. The- Compartmentalising. Car, Compartmentalising. Yeah. Just put it away in a box somewhere else, and uh, and worry about it another time.
0: When you're an old man,
1: yeah, I <laughs> said. Uh, I remember a time. I don't know why I'm. <laughs> I don't know why I'm American when you're in the an future. An old American
0: man. No, just. It's to wrap up. Thank you. This has been brilliant. Just just to wrap up. Uh, up shit. Um, there's two. <laughs> you go again. There's, uh, there's, there's a, a, just a couple of things. What, what bit of someone else's do you wish that you'd come up with? Do you ever have that? Do you see someone do a thing like either with a prop or some sort of clowny idea oh that you feel is like, oh, I could have, I should have got
1: no, that. No, um, is there anything? No, no,
0: um, no, too happy. No,
1: I'm not. Well, <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it. Is this something I wish I'd done? No, I think that's bad. I think that's like, that feels like a bad thing to think. Oh, I wish I'd thought of that. It's like, well, that's not a nice thing to think, is it? I, I I like I still like seeing Eric Morecambe slapping Ernie Wise around the face. You know when he does the double tap. <laughs> <laughs> that that always makes. But my son did that I'm to me the other day. The double
0: tap. The double tap. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He did it to me the other day. Son just went, "Daddy," I went, "Yeah." He went, "I love you." ting. <laughs> ting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the stuff my son comes up with. What was it for my son? My, I tell you what, The stuff my son comes up with. That's what. That's my answer. I know that's a real wanky thing to say, but. He goes right. The other day, I went. Oh, you've got. Oh, you've got to have a bath because you're stinky. Have a stinky. You got to have a bath, mate. Anyway, all the way through the day, this is a new word. Stinky, daddy, you're stinky. Daddy, you stink. Daddy, you're stinky. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And by the end of the day, he was in the bath. And he went, "Daddy, you're stinky." Still going, "Daddy, you're stinky." I went, "Mate." I've taken you to see animals today. Uh, I bought you that football. I, you know we've had a nice day. We've had a nice day, haven't we? I mean, you're just saying stinky to me. It's, it's horrible. He went, and his face just changed. It's dropped. He went, oh, daddy. I went, yeah. He went, you're stinky.
0: That's my son. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me and thank you, Mister Spencer Jones. Thank you so much to Spencer for coming on the show. Thank you for listening to it, for donating, for sharing it with your friends uh, and even people that you hate in an attempt to convert them. As my friend Ninja Chris used to describe uh, uh, an ancient lost style of Kung Fu that as someone attacked you, you could realign their chi such that they stopped being aggressive and then eventually you had the chance to befriend them. Um, So if you can do that with this podcast, more power to you. Uh, tweet me at comcompod, email me info at comedianscomedian.com. Anyway, that concludes the podcast. Thanks for listening. Do come and see the tour or the live shows if you fancy. And that is the end of that. Are they gone? No, no, no. That's it. It's over. It's over. Okay. Okay. So... I'm just going to have a very quick chat to you today because I've got to go and eat quiche. <laughs> it's the evening. It's the evening times. And uh, the boy needs a bath. The bootross has got to be uh, washed. He's, he's reacting very well to baths at the moment. Last two times. He hasn't lost his shit, um, neither metaphorically nor actually. Um, so I'm just going to very quickly. There's only a couple of things I wanted to say, really. Leicester was great. The, the um, the, uh, the, the, the the preview. I did a bunch of gigs. Hey, here's a thing. Here's a here's an odd thing to admit to. I made a I made a mistake. I think I made a tactical mistake at a gig at a comedy festival. Tell me what you think of this. I did newer stuff than I should have done at a sort of big charity gala type gig, and I came away from it thinking, "Wow, God, I'm just on this." Not a treadmill, exactly, but my... And and we talked about this on the show before, and I I try not to feel like this. But I always remain, to some extent, transfixed, like in the headlights. Like a deer in the headlights of Edinburgh. um, Trying to work on new stuff all the time. So rather than, like Hari was saying last week, rather than honing a set for five years, what I do, and I think what a lot of us do... Is constantly be trying to get the new stuff out there. So, when is there an opportunity to do the great stuff from last year or two years ago or three years ago that you've polished up? Because I mean, it does, you know, you, you rely on certain bits in your club set. But when I get to, when I, so specifically at this gig, I did, it went absolutely fine. It went fine, but it could really have, I could have walloped it with, it was only a 10 minute set and it was a big, uh, big show and there's a lot of people in that city that I want to come and see my tour. And yet for some reason at the time, I, and I I was exhausted, I'd had an incredibly full weekend of podcasts and gigs and all sorts. And also I'm excited by the new stuff. So I wanted to do the new stuff because I was excited. But I did come away thinking tactically, I could probably have got more laughs if I'd gone, wallop, here's a bit of uh, here's a bit of stuff that's 18 months old, but is actually still a bit polished up. So I was a bit frustrated with myself for that. Um, I don't know what your experiences are. And I know a lot of you get in touch with me and say, I'm a graphic designer and I have similar things, or I'm a, you know, dental lecturer and I've got to do a thesis and stuff. So I, I, I just wonder whether across the board as creative people are, and I hate describing myself yeah, I'm a creative person. It means I don't have to do real work. Um, across the board, I wonder if let's say people who make things, that's equally valid, Are we all? Do you have that problem as well, that you're you're always trying to make the next stuff to go on display so you don't get to enjoy? Like, when do I? You know, there are certain kind of more prestigious gigs or more... Gigs where the bar is higher or the audience have paid more or it's a no one is a corporate necessarily. But there you know, there are fun kickabout gigs where you go, look, this is eighty quid, and it's a room I trust, and the promoter trusts me, so I'm gonna dick about and probably come out of this experience, having done a better show, maybe, um, but certainly having having tried stuff out and played with things and had fun. And then there are gigs where you think, right, I have really gotta be doing my I've gotta be giving this my absolute best shot. Uh, to make sure I get rebooked, to you know, whatever. And I've always wondered whether in my career I've been too focused on playful stuff. To uh, to, I know there are some people, the Sarah Millikins of this world. I remember early days; she would always go, "Here we go, this is a gig. They paid the money. Here's my absolute A-list stuff." And um, and I've always been probably because I'm a more chatty, flappy sort of an act. I've always been someone that's gone, no, 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 the act is what I say it is. So whatever I do when I turn up, that's the act. And this is, is, I mean, there's an argument for that as well. Anyway, this is, this is sort of getting off the track. I just wanted to sort of go, oh yeah, that was an interesting, as long as I learned from that, tactically speaking, I came off thinking I was right to try that stuff, but I could have been writer to do, to do other stuff. So that's that. Anyway, the, the, the festival itself at Leicester was, was brilliant. I did some, I had some really good fun um and saw some very good work lloyd griffiths did an absolutely bang up job as a compare in a, in a gig in which he said from the stage accurately that um uh, he said at the end of the show he said uh, ladies and gentlemen every single act that's walked through this door has seen this setup and their hearts has sank <laughs> i thought it was going to be awful and it wasn't because the the people at the gig were, were absolutely brilliant so um we we all uh, we all gave of our best and that was in large part due to some excellent emceeing so nice one lloyd Um, Some lovely other gigs up there as well. But the preview. So I've accidentally written 45 minutes about the bootross. (laughs) Because it's all I'm bloody thinking about. The baby and my reaction to his existence and how my life is changing and everything else. And the plan is by no means to do a show in Edinburgh that could be summed up with a poster of me with a baby in one hand and a mic in the other going. (laughs) I don't plan to do that. But God, this is is this the beginning of the end? Is this the thin end of the wedge? Of course I'm gonna write jokes about my baby, because he's in my life twenty-five hours a day. But I don't just wanna write a baby show that only baby fans are gonna come and see, because you know, people without babies don't care and people with babies are sick of babies. So uh I anyway, I started off right, we'll do some baby stuff, and I looked at my watch and went, holy shit, forty-three minutes has elapsed. I mean it was it was funny. And that's the other danger from doing previews, isn't it? You do, you do, uh, you come out thinking, hey, that was good, and you listen back to it, and you go, oh no, the biggest laughs were all the stuff of me kicking my own new material and going, oh, this isn't good enough, and blowing my cheeks out. So, it remains to be seen uh, where we are now, but come on, it's only February. I'm sure I've broken the back of the show. I just need, as Alan Cochran is always, is always fond of saying, as it was then, as if he were dead. Uh, Alan will never die. Um, as Alan was fond of saying to me in recent years, I just need another three good big bits <laughs> another three big bits, so it's important to to realize that one will always feel like that so the show is the show is in in increasingly good Nick I'm feeling good about the tour, although weirdly I am in this position now where it starts in like nine days and i've got to remind i've got to remind myself what the show is because i've been I've been writing a completely different show now for months so um i hope i can find a recording of the tour show just, just if i if i can't find a recording of it then the tour show will be the show that it was on day 1 of the edinburgh festival cuz i've definitely got that recording but obviously after a month of knocking it up and down it's it got really finessed. so i hope i can remember all the finesse i'm sure i will but it's just one of those jobs that you put off isn't it listening to yourself bang on for an hour and then, of course, at round right about the same time, you try and sell online. You banging on for an hour. <laughs> that's not too rude. I, I, you know, I often think to myself, look, if I'm expecting people to listen to this, then i got to be prepared to listen back to it myself and make notes. But, of course, you bastards have only got to hear it once, haven't you? Anyway, that's where I'm at with the tour. That's where I'm at with the show coming up. I, I, won't, I won't bore you to tears with any more dad observations. But, God, I mean, you know it's a bit hard sometimes and one of the hardest things for for men i guess is seeing how much harder it is for your partner because she's uh you know she's the baby's glued to her glued to her via you know vi with a traditional mouth boob combo and um so she's having a really tough she's not i mean she's coping brilliantly. This is what, this is my point. She's coping brilliantly and I'm coping less well under easier circumstances. And that's, that's quite tough. I sort of, I think that's all I've got to talk about today. I, I should probably throw in something that is neither show nor, nor Boutros related, but, um, it's pretty much all that's on my mind. I made one observation. I don't want it to be a a show full of the new one. I don't want it to be a show full of baby observations. But I did notice that mums, this isn't going to work because it's visual, but (laughs) mums push a pram with two hands and dads push a pram with one hand and one hand on on their mobile device. Um, (laughs) I mean, what kind of a, yeah, it's probably funny if you see me mime it. Last thing, last thing then. It's another dad thing. You see my problem. This this is just in the forefront of my mind. I never wanted to be one of those dads who would or one of those husbands who would pretend to their partner that they'd had less fun when they were out than they'd actually had. But you've got to do it, haven't you? Because you don't wanna come back and go, Oh God, you've had an incredibly hard time of it. How was how was the thing you went to see Stu? Oh, it was brilliant. I've had a great time. I mean, yeah, I, she's lovely, my partner, and I'm sure she'd want me to do that. But at the same time, I do feel like I need to knock five percent of the the sheen off anything I've done. It's that thing when people go, "How how did you sleep?" and you go, "Yeah, great." Ah, uh, no, I mean, you know, yeah, it's bad dreams and stuff. Didn't sleep. We woke up a few times. Had to go three weeks. You know, it was it was terrible. Does that satisfy you? <laughs> you you have, Not that you need satisfying, but does, is that OK? Because if I say, I just had an incredible seven hour sleep, I'm just going to make you sad. So I didn't want to be one of those people. But, um, you know, there's loads of things I thought I'd never do. And then you suddenly gain an appreciation of the real world circumstances, which cause everyone to behave like that. Best example here is whenever I've seen anyone in, a, in a, an action movie dangling from a rope ladder from a helicopter. Yeah, I mean, that that's clear. Why bother explaining that, Stuart? They, they can infer all they need to. Whenever I see someone dangling from a, a rope ladder under a helicopter, I always think, you know, and they they start to lose their grip and the camera zooms in and the fingers are peeling back one by one. Um, I always think to myself, come on, mate, just hold on. If that was me, if that was me, I'd, I'd just hold on for a bit longer. <laughs> and then you go, yeah, try dangling from a rope ladder from a helicopter. You might have a slightly more... Uh, <laughs> I can't even be bothered to finish that sentence. My mind's falling apart. The ramble for tonight is concluded. Look, I'll I'll get myself back together in future, I promise. So that'll do me for now. Um we need to call this a thing. And we need that thing to be a team name or a secret code or a hashtag so that you can let me know you listen. Because so far I've had some lovely comments about it. But I was making the case for doing this to someone recently. And I said, yeah, I've had like five five people have said. And then I looked at the, the equivalent numbers of the size of the listenership and went, maybe everyone hates it. <laughs> so if you're a fan of this bit, you don't need to be a fan. You just need to be not moved to smash your MP3 player. Um Uh, just, okay, this is is a stupid code, just tweet me the word HORSE, (laughs) H-O-R-S-E, exclamation mark, and if you like, you can put hashtag HORSE on it as well, just to let me know so I can do some sort of brief market research. This is based on a game that uh, me and my partner play. Whenever you see a horse in a field, you point at it and you shout, HORSE! So uh, let's have a quick game of HORSE. Ready? Ready? And you don't, for this game, you don't need to have seen it. You just need to listen to this point and not loathe it. I'll set the bar at not loathe. Okay? At ComcomPod. Horse!